Hello again. Good to uh, good to have you back. Thanks very much for uh, sticking with the podcast this long. We're on to episode seven now. Can't quite believe it. There are, as I say at the beginning of this episode, only two weeks left of the trip. I always knew, always knew it was going to come to an end at some point. It is, by its very nature, a limited run thing. It's not something that I could carry on for months and months and months on end. It was really only ever something I started to give me a project during like the lockdown. And that's, you know, lockdown's not really a thing anymore, is it? I hope you're all doing well, coping all right in this new world of complete and utter confusion. No one knows what you can and can't do, who you're allowed to see when, how many people you're allowed. Oh, but you must wear a mask in the shops, but fine to go to a pub where everyone's drunk without one. Makes perfect sense, obviously. Oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe um, I do have my next podcast after this, which I know what that's going to be. That will be something that I've mentioned before, which was my grandfather's travel journals from the mid-1930s. And then there is one actually after the war as well. So it's uh, 34 and 35, I think, where he goes travelling around Germany and Italy and Austria. And then there's one from 1946, where I think they go up to Scotland. So I'm going to spend the time once this podcast is over. We're not done with this one yet. Still got this episode and then probably two more. One more full episode from the journal and then another one that's going to be either a Q&A or something else. I haven't quite decided yet. But yeah, there'll be that one, which is my grandfather's one. Then I've thought I do, I do love a good political rant and I've had to hold back on here because I don't think this has really been the, uh, this is really the right medium for, for that, is it? This is meant to be a jolly and happy thing. So I did think maybe after I've done that next one, could I do something political? Is it worth it? There's probably enough voices out there talking about it, isn't there? Certainly enough white middle class male voices. So adding myself to that, it's not going to add much to the diversity of political opinion, is it? Anyway, we're not here to talk about that, are we? We're here to talk about my travels in South America. Ooh, the last time, what did we do the last time? Oh yeah, we sort of finished in, got stuck in Copacabana, then went to La Paz. And I think that's where we finished. Or did we just about get to Potosi? I think we do just in time for the beginning of this episode. So that is where we start here in Potosi, which is a small town in Bolivia that's, again, like like all these places we've been to probably since sort of Cusco in Peru, really super high altitude. Potosi famous for its giant silver mine that you can do tours of. And as you'll hear in this episode, Bart once again goes off and does the adventurous thing, goes around the mine, and I don't. Always the risk averse one, wasn't I? Still am. So that's one part. And then, yes, probably the highlight of this one is going to the Salar de Uyuni, the salt flats in Bolivia, near Uyuni, which is U-Y-U-N-I, because I talk about it quite a lot in this episode and I never spell it out. That was pretty spectacular. I'd put that up there with Machu Picchu in the rainforest, frankly. Just an unbelievable place. Like absolutely nothing I've ever seen before in my life. That's sort of the highlight of the episode. And then... We finish up on buses, making our way back to Buenos Aires. That is um, enough of a ramble, I think, for this intro. And I will leave you to join me where we begin, I think, this episode in Potosi in Bolivia. 
12th of June, 2004. Two weeks left. We arrived in Potosi at about half five this morning. It was absolutely freezing. We're at 1,400 metres above sea level here, approximately 13,500 feet, so we're continuing the theme of extreme altitude of the last few weeks. Needless to say, we went straight to the hostel and to bed. We got up around midday and went to the bus station to book our bus tickets to Uyuni, then had lunch in a very local cafe. Really good food, and all for less than a pound or so each. We also caught the end of the Greece-Portugal game, which Greece surprisingly won. And yeah, Euro 2004 was taking place at the same time of this trip, and I think at this time it had kind of just started. Can't really remember. A wander around Potosi followed lunch, stopping for a mate de coca at around tea time. The cafe was under a theatre where there was a show about to start. Bart decided to go in, but there wasn't much point me going, as I don't think I would have understood a word. Oh well. This gave me some time to do a bit more wandering and pick up our laundry that we dropped off earlier. After the show finished, we went out for some dinner, then on to a couple of bars for a few drinks and to bed. 13th of June, 2004. Maybe the few drinks, and smoking for the first time since we've been up at such a high altitude, were a mistake. We really only had a very little amount each, two or three, but you are warned about the effects of drinking at altitude if you aren't used to it. As a result, we both felt somewhat under the weather this morning. I won't drink again until we reach a more sensible altitude. Whilst Bart was off on a tour of the Potosi mine, not for me, as apparently it is very cramped and not good for those who don't like confined spaces, I had a lazy morning, which was nice after waking up feeling not so great. I met Bart from his trip, and we went to get some lunch, joined by another guy he'd met on that tour this morning, from Ecuador but studying in Cologne in Germany. In the afternoon, we sat in the hostel common room to watch England versus France, England's first of the tournament. As usual, England managed to lose in the last five minutes. Stupid. So annoying too, as that's always how we managed to lose. Spoken there as the, uh, the true football expert that you know that I am. <laughs> Don't know what to say, really. I like the international tournaments and that's it. But it did always seem to be the case, didn't it? England always managed to lose in the last five minutes. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. What am I talking about? After this, we hung around and chatted to some of the people staying in the hostel. It was fun to sit around and share stories of where we'd been and what we were going to do next. Our stopover in Potosi was only short. So, we then had to go and catch our bus to Uyuni, where we'll do the tour of the famous salt flats, the Salar de Uyuni. As we were waiting for our bus, we got chatting to an Aussie girl at the bus station who looked quite upset. It turned out that she'd just said goodbye to a travel buddy who she'd been with for the last month. As you do, we got onto the subject of where we're all from. And as I've become accustomed to saying, I said, near Birmingham, assuming no one knows Shrewsbury. She then said something along the lines of, oh, the person I've just been travelling with is from a small town near Birmingham called Shrewsbury. Weird. So, I then had to explain that, actually, well, that's where I'm from too. And I usually just go with near Birmingham because, well, who, who the hell has heard of our small market town? After this coincidental meeting, we bade her farewell as our bus departed, hoping that she'd be okay. And what an awful bus this was. 
so cramped, with people sitting in the aisle and two absolute gents in front of us who decided to tilt their chairs back fully from the moment they got on for the entirety of the journey. This reduced our foot space from a 1 out of 10 to about a minus 10. Not fun. It was at least a relatively short one at 7 hours, so it could have been a lot worse. This saw us arrive at a uni at around half two in the morning, and we headed to the hostel arranged through the company organising our tour of the Salt Flats. 14th of June, 2004. An interesting morning, as there was no running water in the hostel due to the pipes being frozen. This made for no shower facilities and rapidly filling and smelling loos. Disgusting. We also departed two hours late for our Salt Flat tour, but better late than never. We took Luis with us, who was the Ecuadorian guy we'd met in Potosi. He'd meet his own tour group on the Isla del Pescado, our first destination on the Salt Flats. It's so strange to think that this all used to be a lake that dried up, leaving behind this place, and these islands once had water lapping at their shores. We stayed on the island for a couple of hours, just taking it all in, and ate our lunch surrounded by ancient giant cacti. After dropping Luis with his group, we decided to make our way to our accommodation for the night. This vast white desert was the background of the drive to the hotel. It really is an otherworldly place, a vast, beautiful expanse of bright white as far as the eye can see. So captivating was it that we just stared out of the windows of the 4x4 for the entirety of the journey, barely saying anything, just taking in this stunning landscape. drive over, we arrived at the hotel, which was made entirely out of salt. Walls, tables, chairs, beds, the lot. All made from blocks of salt carved from the salt flats. It was also a lot nicer than we'd been expecting, as we'd been told some of the accommodation on the salt tours is absolutely dire. As we were heading in, we had rather a surprise, as did he, when we saw Nick, a guy who we'd met back in Bariloche and Pucon who's travelling around South America by motorbike. Now, this is the guy, if you remember back, all the way back to episode one, back when I put that out, whenever that was, April, was it? Or early May? This was the guy who I described when there was a group of us from our little hostel and we all went out for dinner together at the steak restaurant. I described him as the guy who told the most over-the-top stories you've ever heard. That was him. And my memory of him from here is much better. He was a much nicer guy, much calmer, much less of the overblown tales. Maybe put him in front of a group and he liked to ham stuff up. But with just us two, he was great company. We concluded that despite the surprise, we are still finding that we're not all that shocked when we bump into people we've seen before, as there is this route that people follow. Still, what were the chances of us being here at the same time 
staying in the same place in the midst of this vast expanse must still be pretty slim. We hung out with him for the evening, had our dinner, llama steak. After this, we were subjected to some kids banging a drum and blowing somewhat tunelessly into some panpipes. Well, it's all part of the experience. After dinner and our tuneless interlude, we stayed up chatting, then played cards with some girls from Switzerland. It was interesting trying to play shithead with some unusual German cards that they had. They only went down to a number six of each suit, and the picture cards are also intriguing. Queen's smoking pipes. We did this for a few hours by candlelight, as the electricity was only on from about 6pm to 9pm. A good time was had by all before we said our good nights and headed to bed. 15th of June, 2004. After breakfast, we left the hotel at about half eight in order to see an inactive volcano on the edge of the salt flats. We could see it very clearly before we reached it, but the nature of the salt flats is such that it makes it really hard to judge distances, and we got there about two hours later. Bart and I had a wander around the tiny village there, and also the ruins of a village of the Amara people. The salt flats are quite famous for being home to large numbers of flamingos. And whilst we did see some here, they kept flying off if we came within even a few hundred metres of them. We also saw some llamas and got fairly close, but for the fear of being spat on, didn't venture too near to them. By this time, we were well ready for some lunch, so headed back to the 4x4 for our picnic, which this time included hot food prepared over a wood stove next to the car, chicken and various other bits and bobs. With lunch over, we headed back towards a uni, stopping at one point to see a place where water comes up to the surface from far beneath the ground. We drove the last few miles off the salt flat, still surrounded by those same beguiling views, but eventually hit the dirt track back to a uni. We were about 10 minutes down the road when suddenly there was a large bang from the back of the car. As we pulled to a stop, we discovered that one of the rear tyres had blown out and at the same time launched some part of the wheel into the nearby scrubland. Fortunately, I managed to find this part fairly quickly, though the tyre repair job took a lot more hard work and a lot longer from the driver, who had to repeatedly jack the car up as it kept falling down. Eventually, he managed to change the tyre and we were ready to go. However, as we prepared to get back in and head off, we discovered that the other back tyre was now half flat. With no other spare tyre or air pump, we all piled in, trying to get back to a uni as soon as possible. The driver had some air put in the tyre at the first opportunity and we fortunately all got back in one piece. We decided that we'd avoid the hostel with the frozen pipes and checked into a different one. This one is much nicer. Although this trip to the salt flat perhaps doesn't sound all that exciting, it really was great. Such an awe-inspiring landscape. It was amazing enough to just gaze out into it from the vehicle, let alone to get out and just be among it all. Very definitely worth it and we were both glad to have visited. 16th of June, 2004. Don't think today could have been more fun if it tried. We started by getting up at half five in the morning to catch our first of two four by four rides of the day. To say both were uncomfortable would be understatement of the century. They were both hellishly uncomfortable. Both tiny and completely full to bursting and extremely cramped. 
over incredibly rough terrain and each lasting about three and a half hours with only one break on each journey. These were by no means the longest we've done so far, not by a long shot, but they were by far and away the worst. Well, as I keep saying, it's all part of the experience. The one saving grace was that the Swiss girls we'd met at the Salt Hotel were in both 4x4s with us, so we had them to share the experience with us. The wretched and cursed 4x4 finally dropped us all near the border with Argentina, where we were then picked up by a bus that seemed completely and utterly luxurious in comparison that took us to the border. Once at the border, we booked our onward bus journeys to complete our circuit and back to Buenos Aires. The first of these buses was a short five-hour drive to Jujuy in Argentina. At Jujuy, we had a six-hour wait ahead of us, and instead of slumming it in the bus station, decided to spend the few pounds needed to get a hostel room for a much-needed sleep. 17th of June, 2004. Stupidly, we'd both forgotten to change our clocks back to Argentinian time, so awoke somewhat later than planned. Thankfully, we still just about managed to make our half-nine bus. And we also had the luxury of semi-camera seats for the near 24-hour journey ahead of us. It all just seemed like absolute luxury compared to those wretched 4x4s. And again, semi-camera is when you get sort of a semi-reclining seat. And my goodness, I, I cannot tell you how getting onto this bus, but it felt like the absolute height of luxury. It felt like getting in to a soft, comfortable armchair after those 4x4s. Honestly, they were terrible. All day today was spent driving through Argentina, taking in the scenery and watching a few films. I watched Bowling for Columbine, Michael Moore's documentary about America's obsession with guns that I'd been wanting to see for some time. Fortunately, in English, with Spanish subtitles, so I was able to understand. And... America's still obsessed with guns, potentially worse than ever. And hasn't Michael Moore gone completely off the rails? Hasn't he become like an alt-right sort of conspiracy nut now? I think he might have done. Shame. After the day had passed, at about 11 in the evening, we had a stop. The drivers were stopping to watch the end of the second leg of the Boca Juniors River Plate game. However, we set off again before it finished and listened to the end on the coach. Not that I could understand a great deal, aside from when one of the teams scored. Goal! That sort of thing, wasn't it? Argentinian commentators? The commentary is literally that, for like half a minute after there's a goal, so it's quite easy to tell when there's a goal. So. We set off again before it finished and listened to the end on the coach. Boca won, 5-4 on penalties, which led to rapturous applause and cheers from many on board. After watching Mission Impossible 2, I called it a night and tried to get some sleep. Ahead of our arrival tomorrow, back into Buenos Aires. Oh, so that is it. We're sort of on the home straight now. We've ended there on our coach that will take us all the way back to where we started that was that was quite a fun one i think hopefully really really enjoyed the salt flats they were as stunning as anything else we saw i think and as i said in the intro up there with sort of machu picchu rainforest as standout 
things that we saw, I think. Thank you once more again. I know I always wax lyrical about this, but thank you so much for listening. It really is appreciated. I know it's only 20 minutes every couple of weeks, but I do, you know, I put a lot of effort into this and it means a lot to know that there's a few people out there who who listen. So thank you. Thank you very much to every single person who does. And I will use this opportunity as usual. Plug the old Instagram. So it's at Buenos Aires and back again. And for the next week or two weeks, I'll be posting pictures that relate to this episode. I hope you all have a lovely week or two until we speak next. But until then, stay safe. Keep doing what you're doing to stay alert. That's the word, isn't it? Really, um, really meaningful phrase that. Stay alert of a microscopic virus that you can't see. I said, I said no political ranting in this podcast. Got to restrain myself. If I ever do that political podcast, I will let rip then, but not now. So on that note, I'll call it a day for this one. Hope you enjoyed. And until the next time, bye for now and hasta luego. Thank you.